Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to be discussing the topic of the use of beef bowls, in particular thinking about beef semen on dairy cows. To discuss this, I'm joined today by Don Trimmer, who's the Beef Sales Manager at Alta Genetics. Thanks for joining me today, Don. You bet, Aaron. Glad to be with you. Don, before we talk about today's topic, tell us a little more about yourself, your background, and your current role and responsibilities with Alta Genetics. Sure, Aaron. I've been involved in the beef industry uh, pretty much all my life. I grew up on a with a registered Angus program that was operated by my grandfather and uncle in the state of Maryland. Uh, got a degree in animal science at Virginia Tech in the early 80s. And uh, following that, I went to work for the American Angus Association as a regional manager in the uh, Midwest and did that for approximately nine years. Uh, had a brief stint then at the Illinois Beef Association where I was their vice president of member services and then uh, really joined the AI industry in 1994 when I went to work as the uh, beef genetics manager at Accelerated Genetics and was there till 2017 when uh, uh, the company was sold to Select Sires. Uh, following that, I went over to Alta Genetics where I've been since 2017 as US beef market manager. And in that role, uh, responsible for helping uh, develop the genetic lineup at uh, Alta Genetics, as well as uh, grow the marketing staff uh, in our U.S. beef market. Uh, so uh, really for about the last uh, almost uh, 30 years, I've uh, been actively involved in developing uh, beef genetic lineups and marketing of beef genetics here in the United States. Well, this topic came up in part because of a presentation you were part of at the 2021 Beef Improvement Federation Conference that was held in June of last year. For those who are interested, if you'd like to go learn more about this topic, I'd encourage you to visit the BIFconference.com website. Uh, the presentation that Don gave at that conference and the topic we're going to discuss today is at that website. You can find that and view that. would really encourage you to go check that out if this is of interest to you. But Don, at that conference, you gave a presentation on the topic of beef on dairy, what's going on and why. You also acted as the MC for a panel discussion on this topic. Give us a big picture view of what you see going on in terms of the use of beef semen on dairy, why the recent changes that have occurred with that, and your perspective on why you think this may be a game changer as we think about the beef industry. Sure, Aaron. Uh, you know, that presentation... Uh... Uh, that you mentioned at the uh, Beef Improvement Federation meeting was put on by our group called the National Association of Animal Breeders, which is an organization of companies and organizations. We put on the symposium every two years as part of the BIF conference. And we try to come up with timely subjects uh, that may be of interest to um, leading progressive seed stock producers and commercial cattlemen and, and really anyone here in the beef industry. And so when we were formulating the program, uh, the topic of beef on dairy uh, really has risen to the forefront uh, in our industry. Maybe not so much for the rank and file beef producer. They've heard and seen information about it, but it maybe hasn't affected them as much as it has those of us uh, in the AI industry. You know, I guess to give you a little bit of uh, history on on beef on dairy, it's not really a new topic. Historically, um, AI organizations have always sold beef semen to breed dairy cows. If you look back in a lot of the old historical pictures from any of the 
major AI companies, you'll find that they had Angus and Hereford bulls uh, back years ago that were used to primarily just to breed mostly problem dairy cows, um, cows that uh, weren't going to be uh, designated to keep a replacement female or something they had trouble breeding. You know, we always had some what I'd call inexpensive or cheap beef semen to put into those cows just to get them pregnant. So it, it hasn't been a, uh, a new topic or discovery. Uh, it's been a part of the AI industry for years. But that being said, uh, we did see a big change in the use of beef semen in AI, probably started around 2015, 2016. Um, and I would say probably the year 2017 was when there really was a game changer. And we saw a significant change in the use of beef semen going into the dairy herd. So what uh, really was the technology that, that made uh, this a game changer? And in one simple term, it was sex semen. Uh, sex semen was introduced in the industry in, in the, probably in the last 10 years. And we've seen, the, I guess, the use of sex semen increase. And we've also seen the fertility of sex semen increase where it's somewhat comparable to what we would call conventional semen. So as dairies went to breed their females with sex semen, all of a sudden they've got this flood of replacement females. And it got to the point where dairies were absolutely getting more replacement females than what they needed. So in planned matings, what they would come up with is let's say, let's take our top end replacement females and let's breed those with female sex semen by, out of the, the best dairy bulls that we could find on the market. And then all the other females in our program that we're not uh, concerned about keeping a replacement out of, uh, let's use a beef bull on those because we're just going to send all those calves to be fed out and, and uh, to be marketed. So sex semen really had a big impact on the use of beef semen or the increased use of beef semen in, uh, in these dairy herds. Then the other thing that kind of came along about the same time was we saw major packers all of a sudden say they're not going to handle dairy steers anymore. And we saw a change in the marketplace from some large retailers like Walmart that says, we're going to increase and, and uh, improve our, our beef products that we're going to offer our customers. And so the shift was moving away from buying and harvesting dairy steers and uh, more towards uh, having more beef cattle or beef type cattle come through the marketplace. We saw severe discounts uh, for basically a, a Holstein bull calf uh, going into the marketplace. So dairymen in a, basically just by changing the unit of semen that's going in the cow, saw a significant increase in, in income if the, in their ability to produce a beef type animal as opposed to a straight Holstein or straight Jersey bull calf. So, so how did that change? And by using a Angus bull or a black bull of a, and of the continental breeds, the dairies were all of a sudden producing calves that were more beef type, that were solid black, that taken to the marketplace, if they had a beef look to them, were worth about $100 to $150 more than just a straight Holstein calf or Jersey calf. So if you think about it, if you're looking at a some of the large dairies in the uh, industry that you know operate with five to ten thousand or more cows, 
by adding $100 to a calf over, let's just say, 5,000 head, that's a pretty substantial income source just by changing a unit of semen that goes into the dairy cow. So it's been a big change in our industry as we've seen the amount of what I would call conventional dairy semen on a decline over the last five or six years. We've seen an increase in female sexed dairy semen. As of uh, through 2021, uh, it's nearly equal to the conventional dairy semen that's been sold. But more importantly, from our standpoint or my standpoint on the beef side, we've seen a tremendous increase in the amount of beef semen going into dairy herds. Just to give you kind of an example or give you the data here, I just got the report from our National Association of Animal Breeders in 2021. There were about 9.5 million units of conventional dairy semen sold in the domestic market. There was about 7.7 million units of sex semen. Of course, that would be mostly all female sex semen uh, going into the domestic market. But there were 6.5 million units of beef semen that went into dairy cows. So almost just about a million units less than uh, sex semen and just 3 million units less than conventional dairy, which is you know, a substantial part of the mix uh, now in these large dairies. Put that in perspective, Don, what's the amount of beef semen that's used on beef in the United States? Beef on beef semen is right around 2.4 million units. So in 2020, the amount of beef semen sold domestically, 60% of it went into dairy cows and 40% went into beef. In 2021, the amount going into dairies has gone up to 75% and only 25% is going into beef herd. So When we look at our beef on beef totals, it's really been fairly stagnant over the last, oh, probably the last five or six years at around two to three million units annually going into beef herds. Yeah, I just, I don't want to miss that again. From 2020 to 2021, you jumped what, almost two million units of beef semen on dairy. Is that right? That is. We went from about 4.5 million to 6.5 million. And now 75% of the beef semen used in the United States is used on dairy cows and the other 25% is used on beef cows. Right, right. And that's, you know, as um, particularly purebred breeders have watched sales here in the last, probably the last three years, you've seen some names of people and organizations that weren't familiar to you and really in the beef industry. Uh, I think of uh, a gentleman like Randall Grimius that we had on our program at uh, our uh, symposium at the BIF meeting. I mean, Randall is one of the largest feeders of dairy calves in the country, and he's also been one of the largest purchasers of Angus Genetics in the last three years or four years. Other organizations, uh, large dairy corporations, have been buying Angus Genetics and other beef genetics to use in their programs. When you look at a number of the uh, AI organizations like Alta and uh, others around the country, uh, you've seen us buy quite a few bulls that maybe you scratch your head and go, now who's, who's going to use that in, the, in their beef herd? But they were probably uh, perfectly designed for our beef on dairy programs or our international market, which is also a, a huge part of our business. So it's um, there's been new players in the marketplace as we've gone to look for 
genetics to use uh, to fill the needs in our beef on dairy program. Let's talk a little bit about what a dairyman's looking for as they think about using an AI sire. What are the things that really drive for them which bull they want to use? Uh, Aaron, it's it just comes down to uh, one thing, and that's fertility. Uh, fertility trumps everything, and you know we could even say that on the beef side. Huh? I mean, the most important factor in in any operation where the beef on dairy is is fertility and getting the cow pregnant. But on the dairy side of it, uh, you know, we can ask for all kinds of traits to look at and indexes and a number of breeds are uh, primarily like Angus has an Angus Holstein index and an Angus Jersey index. Uh, Semitals developed uh, an index they called wholesome, but fertility trumps everything. And when we look at um, utilizing genetics in a dairy program, primarily it, it comes back to some of the fertility rankings that we get on our sires are the sires that actually get the biggest amount of usage. Now, having said that, when we look at traits of importance, calving ease, depending on who you're visiting with, is always important because um, dystocia is, you know, affects the cow's ability to rebreed and uh, get back in milk. So, you know, calving ease is uh, important, although we're looking at mostly breeding uh, dairy cows as opposed to dairy heifers. So we'll take some some bulls that maybe aren't extreme for calving ease, and they'll still be very suitable uh, being used in these dairy programs. After that, then it comes down to some basic traits like weight, you know, weaning and yearling weight, uh, and then the carcass traits. Carcass weight is a big driving factor. Marbling, we always like to have bulls that are, are strong on marbling, although uh, we do recognize that Holsteins and Jerseys do have an ability to marble uh, fairly well. So it's not as critical. Uh, one, one of the other or two of the other traits we look at are yearling height, trying to keep uh, the mature size or the, the um, height of these cattle down a little bit and also ribeye size and trying to increase ribeye size and shape. One of the uh, criticisms we hear on dairy steers, primarily Holsteins, is the carcasses are, are too big or too long. Uh, so we try to keep the mature size down on those cattle. And then also the shape of the ribeye that is more elongated as opposed to an oval shape like we're used to on the beef side. So trying to impact with one, basically one generation mating to affect that ribeye size. So it's more comparable to a, a traditional uh, beef carcass. So one of the things that was also mentioned in the presentation is, of course, homozygous polled, homozygous black. Those are two other things that seem to be important to the dairyman as well. Yeah, and and that's just simply because the feeders that are buying their calves, you know, we know that black is is driving the quality grade or the quality market here in the U.S. Cattle that qualify for many of the Angus uh, branded programs, uh, of course, they have to be a black hide, and so. Utilizing bulls that are uh, homozygous black, uh, homozygous pulled just for a convenience trait, since we realize that most uh, Holsteins are horned, you know, those make those make the calves more marketable. Uh, we do get issues, excuse me, out of, uh, you know, sires from time to time that uh, they don't take enough white off uh, the Holstein mating. Uh, so from the dairyman standpoint, uh, for the guys buying his calves, if, if those calves come out solid black, they're happy with them. If, you know, we can alter the mature size and put a little bit more shape into them, that makes it even better that 
those, those cattle will have more of a beef type look to them. Because uh, we also realize that, uh, you know, at the at the packing house, they do get to visually appraise these cattle. And uh, if they look like they're dairy, they get sorted a uh, different way than if they look like beef type cattle. So it all comes back to the value uh, generated down the line by the uh, calf ranch and the feeder and, and going in the packing plant. Uh, if the cattle were basically solid black and have more of a beef type look to them. So the dairy industry is using sex semen on their heifers. Are they using sex semen from the beef as well currently on dairy, or are they just going with the straight conventional? You know, at this point, there's some usage of, of male sex semen on, on dairy. I guess looking in my future ball, crystal ball, um, you know, I think that's probably the next step we're going to go to. Uh, again, fertility is the driving factor in all of these dairies. So um, you know, as sex semen improves in fertility and we get it closer to conventional semen, I think you'll see more male sex semen being used. The challenge we really have, um, and I'm sure most producers don't realize this, but sex semen is an expensive product to make. And each AI organization, with the exception of ABS, has to pay for it or to one of our competitors, uh, Sexing Technologies. Uh, so we have to actually buy the product as we make it. And so currently the cost of making it is more than what uh, we're generating on selling semen in the dairy. So it's right now the economics aren't lined up to, to make it viable, but I do see that's probably the next step coming down the pike. As you work with your customers who are buying conventional semen to use on dairy, what are the things they see in those calves and the calves that are being purchased by their customers the differentiation in feed efficiency, performance, what are the things that are really driving that? Aaron, I, you know, the, the challenge I think we, we see with the dairy industry is the calves get handled by two or three or four different entities before they get harvested. So I'm not, I don't know if there's a lot of the data, there is data being passed back and forth, but when you look at it from a large dairy standpoint, he's concerned about getting the cow pregnant, getting a live calf out, and that calf is gone within the week, first week of its life. So he's clipped his coupon and that calf's out the door. The calf raiser takes the calf, raises it to about three to 400 pounds, and then it goes off to a grower. And he raises it to maybe eight to 900 pounds and he goes to the feed yard. So like beef cattle, probably the most important trait along the way is health. If the calves are, get off to a good start, uh, get colostrum in them, uh, they're healthy when they go and, and move from place to place, uh, as long as they can keep them healthy, uh, they do perform fairly well. You know, the other thing that uh, seen along the way is uh, the influence of, uh, you know, some of the continental breeds. Um, we see quite a bit of growth in our semangus genetics. Just here recently, we've seen a lot of growth in Charlay. Uh, again, trying to, I think, put a little bit more muscle shape back into some of these cattle. And I think that's uh, really been advantageous to the, to the organizations that are um, uh, feeding these calves. Don, anything else on this topic that you think would be valuable for beef producers to know and understand as we point towards wrapping this up? You know, I, one of the questions uh, or comments that I get asked is, you know, are these cattle replacing beef calves or beef cattle in the marketplace. And really they're, in my opinion, they're not. They're replacing straight Holsteins or straight jerseys and we're actually making a better 
product for our beef consumers. So when we look at the future of where this is going, I remember back in 2017, 2018, we were first starting to talk about it. You know, you could really see where this was a game changer in the industry, in the dairy industry, and also in the uh, AI industry. As we historically, I mean, beef semen has been about 10% of the marketplace. Now it's uh, grown to uh, a third of it. And, you know, we'll see probably more increases in beef units going out the door and probably fewer on, on the dairy. We're in an industry where the number of dairy cows is around 9 million in this country. I see this probably this type of mating system being used around the world. And so I think we'll see uh, more opportunities to market beef genetics uh, moving forward as we go here in the U.S. and also internationally. But, uh, you know, again, it uh, we've taken a lot of straight dairy cattle out of the marketplace and replaced them with a half dairy, half beef crossbred. Uh, the challenge will always remain trying to make as much genetic improvement in that animal from a carcass standpoint as we can with just one generation, uh, because no one's going to keep half-blood Holstein uh, Angus or Holstein Semitol females back to breed them uh, to a beef bull to get a three-quarter blood. Uh, so again, trying to make as much genetic improvement as we can in just that one cross on that Holstein female is, is uh, will continue to be our challenge. But I think as we gather more and more information uh, in the future, we'll find sire lines or we'll find bulls that are better to make that terminal type mating. Well, thanks again for joining me today, Don. Oh, absolutely, Aaron. Well, for more information on this topic, I would encourage you to visit the BIF Improvement website. Again, this was a topic that was part of the 2021 conference. If you go to bifconference.com, you can find this presentation that was discussed archived there and also a panel discussion that Don led.